Good morning. Welcome to Second Chances. Uh, appreciate everybody joining us either via Facebook Live or one of the podcast platforms. Um, I hope everybody's had a good week. Um, I know that this week has been uh, just as hectic as the last few weeks. Um, and so I'm glad that you guys were able to, to join us. Um, before we get started, uh, I'd like to open us up in a word of prayer and then we will jump right in. Dear God, thank you for this day. And I know I say this every week, but truly thank you so much for the opportunity to wake up and have another breath, even if it is in this weather that feels like a sauna. We appreciate and sometimes unfortunately take for granted our breath, but um, I pray that today as we dig into your word that we are able to see a little bit more uh, eternal value on our lives and the steps that we take in, in our daily motions. And God, we thank you for all the the blessings and the sacrifices, the good times and the bad times that we go through. Uh, and I pray that we begin to see our lives through through your lens uh, to see it with a greater purpose. And uh, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I was asking my wife, who's an English teacher, if she ever had a lesson planned out and she had the end goal, um, but could take like six or seven different routes to get there. And so she just would start talking and however she got there, she got there. No, because she's slightly OCD and plans out everything. So um, I'm not like that. And, and, I, and I have uh, a message that I feel... Um, led to talk about a character that I think is important to, to look at um, as we can relate, um, you know, his life to, to, to our lives uh, in, in a certain certain instance. But the passage that we're going to look at can go one of 50 different ways. And, uh, and so I think this is going to be an interesting second chance lesson um, because I don't really know which way it's going to go. You know, we're going to we're going to start talking about it and Whichever way God directs it, we will go. Um, so let's start off in in John chapter uh, 21. So if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and flip there or turn there or swipe there, whichever method we are using. I'm going to ask you a question as you're going there. And, uh, and be honest, um, obviously you don't have to type the answer here or or put it on your Facebook wall for all to see, but um, have you ever had a best friend? Whether it's your spouse, your your sibling, your parent, or somebody outside your own family, you've, you've had a best friend before. I know I've had, throughout my life, I've had, I've had a few best friends. I uh, can't think of any best friends that I would have right now, as with, you know, my wife sitting next to me. Can you think of any best friends? No, I mean, the dogs, possibly. But... Now, think of a time where you've betrayed your best friend's trust, right? You've lied, you've said something, you've done something, you, you haven't done something, um, but it caused your friend to question your friendship. And you were 100% in the wrong with that best friend in that moment. How did you feel afterwards when you realized, like, Right after that moment, you made eye contact with your best friend and you could see the pain and the hurt in their eyes, on their face, as if they were to say, I, I can't believe you just did that. 
Now, how did you feel? I'm sure that there was, you know, I, I can remember some moments for me um, where there's guilt, there's there's disgust uh, on my part, there's, you feel like a failure, but the, the biggest thing is, is the guilt and the shame that comes along with those things. Now, if you made up with that best friend, what was that moment of reconciliation like? That, that moment of redemption in their eyes for you? What was that like? Were you willing to do anything? And I'm sure you said it, but were you willing to do anything? And, and did you do anything that it took to gain that best friend back? I think that that is a really cool moment if you can remember that. So with that little bit of context in mind, let's start reading here. Um, now, I'm probably going to jump around different scriptures. Um, stay with me. Um, starting in, in uh, John chapter 21, Jesus has already died and he's risen again. Um, he's revealed himself to, to a few different people. Um, he has re revealed himself to his disciples as a group coming up on the third time. Um, um, and, and so we're, we're going to see this little miracle take place here. Now, a slight little bit of context in the beginning here. I'll jump after a few verses. So chapter 21 says, After Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way, Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out, got in the boat, but that night they, they caught nothing. So if we can remember, um, depending on which book, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you read from, um, the, the first time that Jesus appeared to them kind of gave a little bit of what to expect in, in the days, years uh, to come as he was going to, to leave for heaven. Um, they were they were going to go out and they were going to teach. The, the, the scriptures had been revealed to them in a different way since Jesus had revealed himself. Um, and so they were given, you know, kind of, this is what you've been training for. This is what to expect in, for, for you guys as disciples is this is the, the responsibility that you're going to take on. And we can see that, that they're going out fishing, right? Now, I don't know of too many instances in the Bible, in the New Testament, after Jesus has called his disciples, you know, you can remember that they each left their profession, they left their family, they left their former identity, and they immediately followed Jesus. It doesn't really talk about a ton uh, in the scriptures where they would revert back to their former lives of being fishermen, being tax collectors, or, or whatever it was. But we can see here in this passage, after Jesus has revealed himself to them as a group two times, that they seem to be reverting back to a former life. Now, again, not a bad life. They're going out and they're, they're becoming fishers of fish again. Um, but we can see that, and we know that being, for most of them, being expert fishermen, it would be odd for them not to catch any fish. And that night they caught nothing. So they had kind of been at it all day. Um, verse 4. But just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. Um, so what comes next, I think, is really kind of a cool little sub story here. He says to them in verse 6, 
will cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Verse 7, that disciple whom Jesus loved, that would be John, before, said to Peter, it is the Lord. We're going to stop there. I want a little bit more context. So imagine you're an expert at what you do. You are failing at what you do that you've done hundreds of times before. In this case, they're, they're fishing. They've done this before. Catching fish should be no big deal. They, they've probably charted out the place, the time, uh, the bait that they had used, uh, and there's not just you know a couple of them. There's a, there's a handful of them out in, in two different boats, but yet they've caught nothing. So you can imagine the frustration um, that that would be you know, in their minds and the words and their actions that how did we not catch any fish? Um, and then all of a sudden you've got this stranger 100 yards away on the beach and he says, hey, yo, do you guys, do you guys catch anything? And you, know, you can imagine again the, the grumblings that would have taken place. No, we don't have any fish. According to the, this encounter here, very nonchalantly, he says, all right, well, the stranger says, cast it on the other side. And you have to imagine, it doesn't say it, but you have to imagine that they're like, we've tried everything. Who is this guy? He's on the beach. He's watching from afar. We're the experts here. But it just says that they tossed it on the other side and immediately fish were there. Now, John says to Peter, it's the Lord. Now, let's jump to a different passage before we see something really, really cool here. If you have your Bibles again, I want you to hop over to Matthew chapter 26, 69, verses 69 through 75. We're going to get a little bit more a refresher, if you will, on, on Peter. So Jesus has just been arrested. Peter's just sliced some dude's ear off, standing up for Jesus. Jesus has already been through the first part of this trial. Uh, in fact, the, the, the instance that's just taken place is they're mocking him for, being, for claiming to be the Son of God. So they've put a bag on his head, they've hit him, and they said, all right, listen, man, who just hit you? <laughs> they're making a joke of it. And, and so Jesus is, uh, is about to be escorted out, but we have Peter in the courtyard sitting around a fire with, with a, uh, you know, just a few random strangers. So it says, now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, you also were with Jesus the Galilean. But Peter denied it before them all and saying, I do not know what you mean. And we, when he went outside to the entrance, another servant girl, servant girl saw him and said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. Verse 73, after a little while, the bystanders came up to him and said to Peter, certainly you are too one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times and went out and wept bitterly. A few different other passages will say that he made eye contact with Jesus as he was walking out, and then that's when he remembered. So, again, that question, right? This was a very close follower, disciple, friend of Jesus, and not only once, not twice, but three times, he denies him. 
for whatever reason, for fear of his own well-being, um, for fear that he was going to be murdered as well. Uh, you know, again, you can pick and choose because this is a pretty serious crime that Jesus is being accused of. And so you have to imagine that anybody that claimed to be with Jesus or a follower of Jesus was against the law. And I'm quoting for those listening, against the law of the land. And so they also, too, would have would have been persecuted. So so we have those. Right. We have that moment uh, of, of who Peter was based on his last action um, being around Jesus. So. So we know that Jesus, um, I'm sorry, we see that Peter um, kind of cast himself aside. He has betrayed Jesus three times. Um, and so we see here in verse uh, verse 7 again, so it says, so John says to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, as soon as Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, now he's, he's shirtless for work, he's out fishing, um, he uh, has to be living with this guilt and with this shame, that he has betrayed his Lord, the Son of God, three different times to groups of people. The shame that he must have felt, you know, it doesn't necessarily tell us from, from how long, but we can go anywhere from a week to, to three or four months, uh, that the shame that he must have lived with those days saying, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe that I betrayed Jesus. I can't believe that I denied knowing the man in front of all those people. So as soon as he heard, you know, that that Simon claimed that that John claimed that it was the Lord, he puts on his outer garment, he puts on his shirt, um, or, or some passages will say he tied it around his waist um, and threw himself into the sea. Um, so he he says, "Listen, this this is my chance. This is I need to apologize. I will pursue Jesus the next time that I see him." Um, all of that forces him to, to jump out of the boat and head towards Jesus. Um, the, now, verse 8, we'll, we'll, we'll finish with this passage here. The other disciples came into the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but, but about 100 yards off. So, again, it gives us the distance uh, from where Jesus was uh, on the beach there. Verse 9, when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Um so what I really wanted to focus on was, even though there's only a verse and a half here, when remembering Peter's transgression, transgressions, if you want to count all three, to, to now, this is where Peter is redeemed. This is Peter's second chance, I guess, as you will, as his discipleship is renewed. We have, I know we talk about this, but I wanted you to, to, to see, I wanted to give a little bit more insight onto this would have been seemed really bad. If you were to ask Peter, listen, man, where does this rank on your all-time list of mistakes? He would probably put this near the top. And we've all had those moments where we make big mistakes, right? And for whatever reason, we rank those mistakes. Uh, and then coming from a, from a past full of mistakes, I understand that. I get that. There is no ranking that Jesus gives for our mistakes. In fact, multiple times he says, come as you are. Whatever your mistake is, whether you were like 
Peter and you've denied in a group setting this I, I'm not a Christian I don't know Jesus like to avoid political I mean I guess social repercussions you know there are some of us overseas that face physical persecution um, so whether it's 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 that or or you know whether you've spent time in jail whether you've you're addicted to drugs or pornography or, you know, you pick your mistake, right? We, we've all done something. Jesus is not up in heaven at the right hand of God. He is not sitting there saying, who so-and-so that was, that was rough, bro. I don't know if I can forgive that one because we as humans do that, don't we? You know, um, transgressions are performed against us and we're like, yeah, 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 no, we're done. Yeah, you and I, we're, we're done. Like, I can't forgive that. Jesus is saying, listen, I just want a malleable heart. I want something that I can mold, that I can form. And honestly, it takes a lot of mistakes for us to get to the point where we say, listen, I've tried on my own super, super hard. I can't fix this. I'm going to tie my shirt. I'm going to put my shirt back on. I'm going to hop in the sea and, and I'm going to swim to you. I'm not going to yell, hey, bro, do you forget? I'm hopping in the sea. I'm coming after you. That's the kind of attitude that Jesus wants. Because then he says, now I can work in you. We can agree that this was a rough three questions that Peter was asked back in Matthew. And that I have what I can remember reading that for the first time as a, as a young kid and really even kind of as an adult, you know, because of the where I grew up in the United States, or we have this freedom of religion saying like, that's, dude, that's terrible. I can't believe he did that. He believes that this is Jesus. And yet he says, no, I don't know the man three times because he was afraid that he was going to physically die. Jesus, Jesus is waiting on the beach. Now you can put whatever, wherever you are in life, you're on the boat, you're, 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 you're fishing, metaphorically, you're fishing. You're not doing what Jesus has asked you to do, which is to go out and to teach and to preach. Jesus still came to the beach, right? You can, you can make a, an educated guess that they weren't catching any fish because it wasn't the time, it wasn't the right time. They needed to have that bad experience. So they would look on the beach at the stranger saying, put your nets on the right side. And you can, you can know that he's there. He's waiting. He's given the instructions, regardless of your mistakes. He's given those instructions to you. And there's a miracle that's about to take place. There's a, a book that I'm going through with a good buddy of mine. And, um, you know, it's about a husband and a wife that he was given bad news that he only had you know, about 30 days to live. And, and it talks about what they did in those 30 days. And then it talks about he goes in for a follow up and and he's given much better news, like the bad news never even existed. And so then they started to look at the life of miracles and miracles taking place nowadays. And they've kind of come up with a, a formula. Um, how to spot a miracle in, in, in the, the different um, ways that miracles take place. Uh, and it's really neat because throughout this formula, there is nothing that says once you're good enough, once you are 
clean enough, then a miracle takes place. In fact, in the first, in the first, the first step is that the miracle always starts with a dire situation and a plea for help. Admitting that you you need God and going to God as your only option. You can imagine that Peter felt a dire situation. These disciples that are fishing felt a dire situation. Um, you know, they're fishing because they need it for sustenance and they need it for, um, you know, to, to be able to live and, and, and take care of their families. And, and Peter has to be thinking that, listen, I just need to be forgiven here because uh, I, I want a, an eternity with uh, my Savior. Then there's the stop sign. God always asks a question. They don't yet know that it's Jesus, but he absolutely asks the question, hey, you guys got any fish? Um, and, you can, and you can look in your own life. God is asking, do you need me? 100%, he always knows the answer to this. But I think that the asking the question, answering that question, and you coming to the realization that you cannot do that on your own, I think is, is, is vital because you do at that point remove yourself from the solution. The only glory that can be given at that moment after that takes place is to God and for God. Then, then we have the what they call the U-turn. Something negative from positive requires faith and ignites hope. As soon as Simon hears the, the hope, faith reignited, hops out of the boat into the water, heads straight for Jesus. And then we have the yield sign, which I think that we, we always miss. And I think that this is our purpose. After something great happens, a miracle happens, or something positive happens to us, what I don't want to miss is what happens after the redemption, right? This is something that, that I think is really important, is begin serving others with the blessing that he's already given to us. It doesn't mention specifically what happens with the physical fish in this story, Right, they come onto the, onto the beach. Jesus serves them breakfast. In fact, he's already got breakfast going, which I think is would have been crazy to see that uh, this dude on the beach. He's just making breakfast, you know, hundred yards off, and he says, "Hey, put your nets on the right side." But it doesn't mention what happens with the physical fish. And, and to be honest, I don't think that it's super important to this story. Um, is is the blessing that's been given for Peter? It's the redemption, right? It's it's listen, I forgive you. For the disciples, it's, all right, I'm going to give you more spiritual insight on what's to come again and to become fishers of men again. So what's happened in your life after that redemption? You know, you've made a mistake. You, you, you've gone against the Ten Commandments. You've messed up. You've lied. You've cheated. You, you've, again, whatever it is, then you felt that moment of forgiveness where you've asked for, you know, the redemption. You said, God, listen, I can't do this anymore. Give me a purpose again. Bring me back to spiritual life, so to speak. We are blessed to be a blessing. That's what I don't want us to forget. Uh, and that's why for me, it's super fun. And I mean that in a very sarcastic sense to see people with physical things on social media, hashtag blessed. Okay, but but how are you using that, what you call a blessing, to bless others? How are you directing people back to God? 
so that for me is the story within the story is looking at Peter and you can you can look through the rest of his physical life on earth is and he has those moments where he is he is being a blessing to others he was given a gift not to hoard it in and for him to have that redemption to have his apostleship restored says that listen no matter what you've done to mess up I still God being the eye there I still have a purpose for you in your life now what will you do with that my challenge to you is ask for final forgiveness for those sins forgive yourself and and believe me I get it that is very hard to do that removing your 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 shame but when you do that there's a there is a literal weight lifted off of your life and you can begin to see a purpose planned out you can begin to live out that purpose but you have to ask for help to do that that's the kicker is is you cannot take it off yourself by yourself right no amount of exercise will take that emotional guilt and shame of your mistake off of your life it will be there and it will tear at you and it takes i think a lot of strength to say to admit that god i need you god's asked the question do you need me because because i'm here on the beach do you need me the answer you have to admit i think out loud helps out a ton listen i can't do this god i cannot forgive myself for this I've made a mistake. I don't feel like I'm good enough to to be a Christian anymore, to be your your friend, your son, your daughter. There's no way that you would forgive me for this. Other people don't. As soon as you do that and you ask for that, you will feel that forgiveness and then ask for what's my purpose? How can I use this newfound sense of redemption and purpose in life? What do I do with that? That's a gift you've been given, right? Forgiveness is a gift. What do I do with that? And then when you're given that answer, then do it. Lives were built for a purpose, guys. We are here on earth for a purpose. If there was no purpose, as soon as we became Christians, we would be lifted up into heaven immediately. But we have a purpose. We are to take the mission that Jesus as a man started on earth and to continue it. And I don't know how many times that a pastor or a preacher or someone like me on a podcast can say, look around your world. And if you can't see that it's hurting, there's there's something there's something wrong. And maybe you're part of the problem. But our world has issues. And, and I don't mean necessarily our world as a whole, although that it does. But even your specific world, your neighborhood, your cul-de-sac, your apartment complex, your work, your school has problems in an eternal sense, and and you are that mission. You are living in that mission field for a purpose. You are that that person that is designed to go out and to, to bless others with the eternal message. But it starts with you asking for forgiveness and then being able to forgive yourself so that you can see the purpose. And that's what I pray for. That's why I challenge you is the strength to be able to to be on your knees and, and, and looking up in, in, a, in a state of surrender saying, I can't do this. I need you. I'm answering you. Yes, I need you, God. 
redeem me, forgive me, give me that purpose again. Jesus, we again, we thank you for all of your stories of grace and mercy throughout the Bible that we're able to pick up and open and read. And God, I pray that it's not wasted on our hearts today, God, that you will continue to work in us, letting us know that you are standing on that beach waiting for us to say, I need you. And then give us the strength to jump into the ocean and swim to you. And thank you for that redemption that's there waiting for us. I pray that we see the world again through your eyes and that we take each step in our daily lives for an eternal purpose in spreading that message of grace and forgiveness that you've given to all of us of salvation. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.